That puts me to mind. This morning, I think it was in Sunday school, there was a scripture in which somebody said, for your sake, he was thinking about others. It was up to me, I'd go to heaven right here, right now. What was that? Yes. You have to know the address? I can't remember. I remember the order. <laughs> Paul wrote it in the first chapter of Galatians chapter 1 verse 21. To me, to live is Christ, and to die in the gate. Paul said that, but can you echo that with him? We ought to. We need to. Let's go to the Lord. <clears throat> Father, may we take your word seriously, relevant to today giving us not only a glimpse of the past, but also hope for the future. Help us to know that you are God high and lifted up. Help us to know that you know the way that we take, that you have done some wonderful things. You are now doing wonderful things. <clears throat> Father, we're convinced from reading your word, the best is yet to come. Help us to think that way. Help us to walk and talk that way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> How many chapters are there in Proverbs? Yeah. Oh, Proverbs. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't count. You played fingers with me. <coughs> Go look, tell me, how many? Proverbs. 31. How many of us are? Ah, yes. Good, good. Which one of the many psalms do we need to turn to now? 32. 32 is right. <clears throat> I'm going to read this in just a moment, but... Uh, if I spell a word, can you tell me how it's pronounced? M-A-Y-B-E. Okay, listen carefully. C-O-M-P-A-S-S. -S. One word, seven letters. If you say compass, 
That's what they use to find north, south, east, west, and other points. But when it's a verb, you say compass. Compass is a thing. What kind of word is compass? Yes, it does. It means to travel around the place. We're going to find that word twice in this song. I think you'll be able to tell from the context whether it's noun or the verb. Psalm 32. <clears throat> Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in his spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with psalms of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not ye as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding. Apologies to land you there whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Wow. I read the whole song, didn't I? See if you're following along. Did I read the whole song? You're following along? You heard me read every word, right? Say that. That's right. There's a word that appears three times. Some say it's Selah. Some say it's Salah. You know what I know? I don't know what exactly it means. Some say it's a word that means repeat. Others say pause. I really don't know. But it's there. But let's think about this song. I don't know what the heading says in your Bible. I make up my own after I read over the psalm a few times. You don't have to agree with me, but food for thought. I call this God the solution for the problems of man, the sinner. 
David is credited with writing this. And it said that David was indeed, when he sinned, a great sinner, but he was also a great repenter. It seems like David knew the whole range of emotion. He knew what it was to rejoice in the Lord, and he knew what it was to feel so sad, so mad, so depleted. And as this psalm opens, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. When God's word speaks of one being blessed, the same word that's translated blessed can also mean happy. There's even one sense in which it's saying congratulations to the one who is like this. Can you think of any place else in the Bible where such language is used? Matthew. What chapter? That's right, the Sermon of the Bible. Chapter 5. Several times. Blessed are. Blessed are. Blessed are. We call that the Beatitudes because to beatify means to speak a blessing over or upon. I see three things here. First of all, the opening of this gives me an acknowledgement of man's sin. You can't get very far reading God's Word without realizing man has a major problem. I mentioned a song from my youth this morning. Spirit in the sky. A lot of people thought, hey, that's, that's kind of a cool talks about Jesus. But what does it say about Jesus? Theirs is another Jesus. Line where he says, I've never been a sinner. I never sinned. Just read first John 1. We say we have no sin. We don't fool God. You don't fool anybody who believes God, but you might fool yourself. Deceiving yourself. But even though I haven't sinned, the song says, i got a friend in Jesus. I know you really don't. I don't go on a line about my friend. Do you? You shouldn't. I don't think you would if you thought about it very much. We must acknowledge our sin. Now, you already know it's talked about in 1 John 1, but while we're in this neck of the woods, let's just go to Proverbs. Chapter 28. Yes, there are 31 chapters, but uh, we'll only go to chapter 28 right now. Look at verse 13. How successful is it if you try to look the other way and, and try to make like you didn't do wrong? Didn't work for Mr. Cain very well, did it? And it really doesn't work. God said, be sure your sin will find you out. I like to watch a good detective story. I still got those films of Columbo. And people think, oh, that Dumbo Columbo, he'll never figure out. He's just some... But guess what? One more thing. And he gets it. 
Psalm 38, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. When I was, I guess about Ian's, not Ian's age, maybe, maybe Evan's age, somebody gave me a book, the FBI. And back then, J. Edgar Hoover was still alive. And he'd written the book. And I opened it up, and the first thing on the inside, crime does not pay the trouble. Not because J. Edgar Hoover said it, but God said it. He that covereth the sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You want mercy from the Lord for your sin? Admit you are a sinner. Acknowledge that. When we looked at verses 3 through 5, we're reminded of the heinousness of sin. Sin is not just a little goof. I just dropped the ball. I made a slight error in judgment. No, you sinned. I sinned. No amount of sugarcoating is going to minimize what sin is. It's an offense against God. It's so bad that whether you lie to me or somebody else, whether I lie to you or somebody else, our sin, you probably know it says in Psalm 51, David, when he did sin, he said, unto thee, thee only have I sinned. What about Bathsheba? What about Uriah? What about your servant? What about your nation? That's small potatoes compared to my sin against God. Look at verses 3 through 5 again. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. I think he knew he was a sinner. I think he knew he was guilty. Sometimes we say guilty as sin. Is there anything more guilty than a sin? My moisture has turned into the drought of summer. If Salami stop and think about it, I can understand why it's there. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. Your sin's against God. You have a bad day and lie to me or somebody else. You go back later and you try to fix it up the best you can. You know what? Before you go to anybody else, you need to go to the Lord. I need to go to the Lord. Now, by the way, the Bible says confess your faults one to another. We confess our sins to the Lord. There's no human. Not even somebody that wears a certain garb and has a certain title. Time for confession. I do my confessing to God, and that's what the Bible teaches. You confess to me. I don't want to hear your confession. And I have no business listening to someone else's confession. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Sin is not a light thing. If you Turn ahead just a little bit. Psalm 38, verse 18. For I will declare mine iniquity, I will be sorry for my sin. 
We talked about that Sunday mornings a few weeks back, didn't we? Godly men have written volumes on just how bad sin is. One of the old Puritans wrote a book, The Sinfulness of Sin. That might not be too popular today. Nowadays, we have a lady evangelist to put out a work. God is not angry with you. God is not mad at you. People say, I like that kind of theology. Well, stay away from the Psalms because in the fifth Psalm it says, God is angry with the wicked every day. How many days is God angry with the wicked? If it ends in a why, God's angry on that day towards sin. See, we hear people who tickle our ears and tell us, ain't no big thing. Everybody messes up. Nobody's perfect. That's why we need Christ. Wise men know that sin is accompanied by trouble. That's why when we read in that seventh verse, thou shalt preserve me from trouble. You know why you need a hiding place? You know why you're concerned about the effect of your sin coming upon you? You're really in trouble? It's usually not because you were just walking down the road minding your own business. Somebody very, very recently was telling me how one fellow was hogging the road and smacked his vehicle. They tried to make out like, no, nah, it was you. Be sure your sins will find you out. Right, Tommy? That's the way that works. Oh, now they know who my source is there. All right. The wise men know that sin is accompanied by trouble. Right before the Psalms, we have the book of Job. Chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. You get a campfire going, the sparks don't go sideways, do they? They're for sure. They're, they're going to go up. That's just the way they are. And uh, I wasn't too familiar with this verse before I met Marsha's dad, but he quoted this one a lot. Chapter 14 of Job. Man that is born of woman is a few days full of trouble. And since we're all born woman, I guess that's that's all of us now, is it? So, yes, there is a problem. James 1 says, sin when it is finished brings forth discomfort, discouragement, disease. No, it's a D word a lot more serious. Death. Why is there death in the world? Because of sin. So we acknowledge man's sin. But thanks be to God, he has done something about it. We acknowledge, but then God has accomplished something. Flip ahead to Psalm 130, please. Verses 4 and 5. We got the problem, we got the solution. The cancer and the cure, if you will. 
Because what if God, if, if God tomorrow morning said from now on, nobody gets a pass. Anybody, anytime, anywhere, for any reason, with anyone, if they sin, that's it. No forgiveness. They get squashed like bugs. How long will we live? Look at these two verses. Psalm 133 and 4. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? We have no hope. We have no help without forgiveness. There's a whiteness in God's mercy. Verse 4 says, But there's forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. You better take God seriously. You better know that sin is a horrible thing. If you minimize, oh, sin's not so important. You ever heard of a place called Calvary? What did God do about your sins? Did He say, that's okay. You did the best you could. No. That's why His Son went to that place and became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So what's been accomplished here? What did God accomplish? Well, positively, He forgives our transgressions. He covers our sins. Uh, there's a word you may or may not be familiar with. Imputation. The Lord, the God the Father has been pleased to take our sin and lay it upon Christ. And His righteousness credited to us. Yeah. Some theologian put it something like this. The Father has made the Son to be made sin for us that we should be the righteousness of God in Him. You know what theologian that was? If someone has room, same first name. Second oh. oh. Corinthians five twenty-one. There's the gospel in the nutshell. You're talking to somebody about the Lord, and you want to. What's this gospel thing? Just take them to Second Corinthians five twenty-one, or First Corinthians fifteen, and read the first four verses. But if you want to dip one verse, that's the gospel in a nutshell, if you will. So many places we could go. Just as 1 John 1 tells us we have sin, it also tells us that we have one who deals with our sin. We have an advocate. So what is God's will about sin? I can tell you in one word. Don't. But what if I don't? But suppose it don't. My little children, I write of you that you sin not. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Later in 1 John, it says, His commandments are not grievous. He says, I don't get it. You're not paying attention. Don't! Some of you aren't old enough to remember this, but uh, you remember the Red Skelton show? 
when you have the mean little kid? You know, well, I am older than you, so. <laughs> By a little bit. Red Skelton had a lot of different groups, and one of them was the mean widow kid. And typically, he, he's a grown man, but he's wearing shorty pants and a funny little hat, you know, and acting like he's whatever. Uh, but he would always say, he said, if I do it, I get a woman. I do it. And then by the end of the skit, somebody's given him a woman. Yeah. Sin has its consequences, but something has been accomplished. In, uh, let's go over to Micah chapter 7. You know, Jonah, right after Jonah comes Micah. Micah chapter 7. What kind of God do we serve? Last chapter of Micah, Micah chapter 7. Verse 18. Who is a God like a that pardoneth iniquity? There is a way of escape. There is pardon for sin. And passeth by the transgression, the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. You go to the Lord. And you have a contrite heart. And you are open about your sin. And you say, well, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll forgive you. Maybe not. I hate to say this, but okay, you're off the hook. No, that's not the God of this book. He delights to show mercy. See, proud men, I'm Confessing any sin to God. I'm a good person. If I'm not good enough for heaven, then I'll just go to hell. Hey, guess what? They got the wish. But he delights to show mercy. If you have a contrite spirit, if you have a repentant way, that counts a lot more than just going through the motions and trying to throw some money at it or something like that. But what's it say? Thou art my hiding place. We need a hiding place. We don't want to come under the unadulterated wrath of God. We don't want Him to view us as we are. There must be a covering. Even Adam and Eve, they tried to cover themselves with what? Some weeds, some fig leaves. But you see, the only acceptable sacrifice is somehow tied to blood. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Even in the Old Testament picture of the Passover lamb, they couldn't just draw a picture and then rip it up the Okay. That'll do. They couldn't have some nuts or berries or something like that. Okay, we'll just we'll just throw them away. Or we'll eat them or whatever. No, without shedding of blood, because the life of the flesh is in the blood. That's why life is to be so preserved. 
we were talking not long ago about the God, the, uh, the, the uh, Redeemer, the uh, kinsman Redeemer. If you accidentally kill somebody and you run to the city of refuge and you convince the elders of that city that you didn't have any malice beforehand, uh, they would say, well, the good news is you can stay here even though the kinsman is right on the other side of the city wall. He's entitled to a kill because you killed his kinsman. Until the high priest dies, you better stay here. Well, what if I don't? If he kills you, he's entitled. Well, that doesn't seem very fair. Well, God didn't ask us what's fair. God said, this is the way it is. You know what? Part of that, I'm sure it's not the whole thing, but part of it is because life is sacred. Even if you accidentally cause death, it should grieve you. I was driving along once after church on a Sunday night and some dog darted out and I hit this lady's poodle and I felt like dirt. And they came out and the daughter came out, cried her eyes out. I couldn't bring that dog back. It's not like it just broke its leg and we could take it to the veterinarian. No, no, it was dead. How much more a human? The Lord said, how much more is a man worth than a sheep? And so, even if we, through no malice or forethought even if we are responsible for killing somebody gets dead because of our action somebody lost a daddy somebody lost a husband somebody lost a brother because of what I did and that should get our attention what is the deal with what he has done in accomplishing the last part of verse 7 says, Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. If you're a child of God, don't spend your, Oh, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I can't do anything right. Nothing's ever gone well for me. That's not the song of the child of God. We have been delivered. We have been redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb should excite us. Yeah, I guess I'm going to heaven. Hold on. What else you want to talk about now? Uh, it should never get old. Tell me the old, old story. It may be old, but it's still fresh. I tell you, when I got a hunger, marsha has got something cooking, I don't, oh, was that again? You seemed to like it before. Well, uh, yeah, I like it now too. Because it's what we need. Far more important than something we eat is to think of what the Lord has done. In uh, the 34th Psalm, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. 
If you're a child of God, don't be surprised. You, it might not occur to you now, and you might not have ever actually have a word from the Lord. Maybe part of what we'll learn when we get to heaven is how many times the Lord put a hedge of protection around us. He had His angels around us. We think, Lord, I'm bad. Boy, I can take on anybody. Silly human. You suppose that you could get yourself out of a jam? Or you're only going to get into jams. And God is the one who gets you out. And what is it that he encompasses us by? It says in that seventh verse, the third part, Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. We got something to sing about. You know, you can't unlearn some things. In my youth, there was a, a group, and I think they sold a lot of copies of a, of a great song that got a memorable message. Boris the Spider? Really? But people buy that stuff. People listen to that kind of stuff. Do wackadoo or does the chewing gum lose its flavor on the bedpost overnight? Funny how those things can get stuck in your head. Kind of like fruity fruity. <laughs> Compass me about with songs of deliverance. And in verse 10, he hath trust, he that trusted the Lord. Mercy shall compass them by us. You may not get mercy from folks. You might not feel like you're being blessed, but God has a way of putting mercy all about us. The one who delights to show mercy, as we saw. And he teaches us the way in which we should go. Verse 8 began, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. And how does he do it? Sometimes he gives you the look. How about you? Well, I know a lot of parents. They left the look. Little Sally Sue messes up. Little Jimbo messes up. And you don't have to reach for the pack. You don't have to raise your voice. You don't even have to say a word. Just give them a look. Uh oh I'm toast. I'm going to get it. I guarantee you, my dad knew how to give the look. Mom would usually... What I do? Your father. But dad just... He just knew how to give the look. It tells us that he guides us with his eye. I will guide thee with mine eye. I got news for you. God's got his eye on you. He's got his eye on me. If I mess up, I might fool you. You might fool me. But none of us fools God. Mr. Lincoln once said, you can fool some of the people some of the time and all the people some of the time. You can't fool all the people all the time. I don't know. I think some people are trying to. But you don't fool God any of the time. None of us do. We need to know that. And we saw in verse number two that the negative to this as far as the accomplishment, blessed is man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. 
He's not going to put that on your charge. Romans 8.33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Not because you're so smart, you're so strong, you're so spiritual, but because you are His own. And so none can do that. When Christ died, He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I'm honored to be named for Stephen, who, as they were beating the life out of him with all kinds of rocks and whatever, he said, lay not this sin to their charge. Because none of us could stand guiltless and say, I'm, I'm okay. We talk about acknowledgement of our sin and Christ's accomplishment about our sin. Well, look at verse 11. The last verse here in this song. Because there is an acclaim here for what God has done about man's sin. Two thoughts here in verse 11. The first is that the redeemed have an internal gladness. If somebody sees you smiling in the workplace, if somebody sees you smiling while you're walking the dog or anywhere, anytime, they say, what do you got to smile about? They say, what about what's going on in the world? You got this, you got this, you got that, and that. All these things, what do you got to smile about? Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous. And that's in a lot of other places. I won't take the time to give them to you, but uh, many times in the Psalms we read about rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing in the Lord. And if you have it on the inside, funny thing, it has a way of coming out. Uh, one of the uh, stories we learned in high school was about a man who was a leader in one of the pilgrim groups. And he was an older man, but he looked at this young lady and I think he was a widower and she was single. And, and so he found a young man, John Alden. And he says, John Alden, I want you to go talk to that gal and see if she might be interested in marriage. And if she's a marriageable thought, just start talking to her about me because I'd like her for my wife. So, you remember the story? John Alden goes to, I think her name was Priscilla, and he starts talking to her, and uh, she said, well, you're very kind and very flattering, and I appreciate all this, and he says all this, but she suspects maybe there's more to the story. And she says, why don't you speak for yourself, John Alden? Guess who she married? <laughs> she didn't marry the older fellow. She married John Alden. Now, what if he'd gone to her and said all these things, and he said, well, hey, I'm talking about this leader. Oh. And then if she married him and, quote, lived happily ever, ever after, he'd say, 
Well, I was just all back. I don't know what I have anybody. I sure wish I'd said something about it. When I was impressed that I want a young lady to marry me, I didn't keep it to myself. I used a secret weapon with her. And she said yes. She hadn't shot me yet. But look at the second part of that verse. Not only to be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you might, you might do that on the inside and nobody else has a clue. But I think it has a way of showing itself. And shout for joy, all you that are upright in heart. We've got something to be excited about. We've got something to rejoice in. So many times in Scripture. How did Paul put it in Philippians 4, 4? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Most people think that the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wins. In English, that's right. But there's a little two-word sentence in your English Bible that in the Greek is one. In our English Bible, it says, Rejoice evermore. Karate! What do you got to say? I rejoice in the Lord. And it goes on and on and on. It never gets old. It never gets stale. I never get all caught up in that. We talk about love stories as well. The great love that God loved us before we loved Him. And we have every desire, if we're truly born again, we have every responsibility and every obligation to love Him back. He said, well, I can't love Him as much as He loves me. Love Him the best you can. You keep on loving Him. He doesn't decline in His love for us. And I'm so thankful for that. He loves us in in spite of who we are and what we do and how long we might get cold, we might get bitter. We have a saying sometimes when we're talking with people because sometimes you talk to folks and one day they're happy, happy, happy. And other days they're grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. And other days they're weepy, weepy, weepy. You know, I have learned that anybody can have a bad day. That helps to get you through life. To appreciate that. Only God doesn't have a bad day. But we do sometimes. Look at uh, verse 9 of Psalm 9. We close. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. When you're getting pushed and kicked around, when you're treated like a mess, a problem, an embarrassment. I mentioned not too long ago how that one man said, no man cared for my soul. We have a Savior in Jesus Christ who gives His Word such that the, we read, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. 
There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And in case you haven't connected the dots, that's talking about our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord also will be a refuge to the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. He'll lead you out in the world. He'll lead you out in the open to be the target of all that opposition. Because he has compassed you. He has compassed me. He's got his cover. Oh, that was worth saying and hearing. And I hope those things will sink down into our hearts. We're going to break in just a moment. We'll have our business meeting. And uh, I'll bet we got some food coming up pretty soon.